You're listening to Talk Daredevil, the official podcast of the Save Daredevil campaign. Hello, everyone, and Happy New Year. We're thrilled to kick off 2022 with brand new episodes of the Talk Daredevil podcast. Today, we're going to be deep diving into and officially reviewing the latest of the MCU TV series, Hawkeye, which wrapped up just a few weeks ago on Disney+. I'm Phyllis, and joining me today on today's discussion are some lovely members of the Save Daredevil crew. Hey, (laughs) I'm Leslie. Hey, I'm Shelby. And I just want to say how excited I am for this particular group to discuss Hawkeye. And more importantly, though, I I love the configuration that we have here. Leslie is a new voice to the podcast. And I think it's just going to be a really fun conversation. So just a reminder, if you haven't finished Hawkeye yet, just stop right now. It's going to be spoilers galore from here. So, you know, once you finish, come back, hop back on, listen to us talk for God knows how long about this show. Um, But Again, this is your final warning. This is a review of the entire series, so it's going to be full spoilers ahead. Just to get us started, I think a good place to begin would be maybe our general thoughts about this full season. I loved it. I loved it. Even before we get to the big guy, um, it was definitely my favorite series from Marvel Studios by far. Um, It made me care about Clint. What a, a huge feat that is, right? Incredibly huge. (laughs) Mm, agree Uh, it gave me everything i wanted from kate and probably Mm -hmm. more and yeah it was just the perfect mix of christmas lightheartedness and and poignancy and i loved it what about you shelby i love it on the surface like surface level love it and it if i'm going to go back and rewatch a show this is going to be the show that i'm going to Mm rewatch and like leslie said it did hit a lot of like the beats i wanted to hit emotionally it's back on street level i enjoyed all the uh cast i think it's you know like she said it made us love clint like what (laughs) we we knew going in this is mcu clint versus like matt fractions clint Mm -hmm. it did it it hit that um introduced us to maya you know it's yeah i loved it out of all the shows that we got from um, the MCU this year on Disney Plus, this is definitely the one that I enjoyed watching the most. Um, I think because, and I, I think I've said this kind of a couple times in other spots, but I think what worked for this show was that it promised to be a certain kind of show, and it ultimately delivered on being that kind of show. So from the beginning, I knew this was going to be a street level feel. Um, it was going to be more fun. It was going to be more holiday focused. It was going to have action, but it's going to be lighter. Um, and they definitely delivered on a lot of those things. Um, and to go back to the street level of it all, I don't know about you guys, but I have been feeling particularly fatigued <laughs> from like every single MCU show, movie, whatever, needing to have like world ending stakes. Well, like, and even this, even I'm sorry, but even the shows like high stakes, but no stakes. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, I I totally know what you mean. <laughs> so yeah, I'm with you. So yeah, so it was kind of refreshing that the conflict in Hawkeye was not about oh no, someone's going to explode Earth again <laughs> or destroy the world. What are you going to do about it? Like it was kind of nice to know these are not the kind of stakes that we're dealing with. Yeah, unless we find out later on, like the watch could explode the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we just don't know that yet. 
shit. I, I'm going to talk. I got, I, I'll bring up the watch yeah. <laughs> at some point. Um, I'm going to confess something here, which might be a little blasphemous, but I actually never ended up finishing the fraction run of the comic. I will get around to it. It was just one of those things where I started it and I never, just never had the time to finish. But I know that both of you have read it and maybe on varying levels can remember those details clearly. But I'm kind of curious, what did you think about the way that they took inspiration from the original run for the show? Do you think it worked? Did, was there anything about it that didn't work for you guys? Yeah, I mean, I think that Fractions, Clint, and the Clint and the MCU, two really fundamentally different people. But where they converge here is that Fractions Clint is worn down by being just like a regular guy amongst gods, the Avengers. He's died twice. He went up against the Phoenix Force and got burnt to a crisp. He, uh, like at the beginning of Fractions, when he's falling off a building and ends up in a hospital with like every bone broken. So he's kind of like down about that. And I think that's where this MCU Clint meets him. So he's broken. He's lost people. He's lost his hearing. And he's just like generally sort of feeling the weight of the world. That's my take. Yeah, it's it's been it's been so long since I read it, but I, I think it's just like what you said. They just took inspiration from it, like certain moments, like tracksuit mafia. They sprinkled in like the fun elements, you know. Yeah, yeah, the funs. Yes, yeah. So yeah, that's I think I think they did as good a job as they could have because we they couldn't introduce us to a Clint that we didn't know from the MCU, like right. have him all of a sudden be like this dude, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I remember when because I was at um I was at San Diego Comic Con in 2019. Yes, because that would have been the last one before everything Jesus. went crazy. I know, what is time? Um, what is time? what is time? But I was at that Marvel Studios Hall H panel, and when they introduced um the shows that were going to come up, Hawkeye was one of them. And immediately, you know, as you could see on the title graphics for the show now, ripped straight from the Fraction Aha Run. Right, mm-hmm. so it set an expectation and. Mm-hmm. Again, even though I hadn't finished it, I knew enough about it where I was like, I really don't know how they're going to reconcile these two things. Because like you said, MCU Clint and comics Clint are just fundamentally two very different characters. Yeah. So I was pleasantly surprised there was at least this point of overlap where both of these characters have been really beat down. (laughs) And to be fair to MCU Clint, we, we did have the benefit of seeing him over, you know, a decade's worth of films being beat down, beat down, beat down. Right. So it kind of helped. I, I guess I hadn't really thought about that being um, maybe what would have given us that the entry point to telling that kind of story for him. But it did surprisingly work. Maybe we can start transitioning into our thoughts about specific moments and characters yes. and performances from the show. So I'll, I'll kick us off with Haley. I had become quite a big fan of from watching Dickinson on Apple TV Plus. Same. Yeah. I knew her before. I knew her name. I knew that she was relatively prolific um, in acting, was also like a singer, kind of like doing all the stuff that young, hot actor people (laughs) do, you know, like they seem (laughs) to do everything. But I was like really blown away by how much I loved her portrayal of Emily Dickinson on that show. 
And just getting a sense of her like handle for humor and like sort of a reverent tone. I was like, you know, this feels like it would translate really, really well to Hawkeye. And there's a reason why she had been fan casted by everyone and her mom for the role. Right. Right. That's what I was trying to remember. Phyllis is like, it seems like back when as early as even 2014, Mm -hmm. she was being fan cast. I was trying to find that on the Internet, like how far back it went that people were trying to say that she was going to be the perfect Kate Bishop. And it was something that I just sort of went along with, like, I guess. And then the more I read, the more I read it. And then I think one time there was a rumor that, um, what's the, the girl from 13 reasons why that one time that maybe she was going to be Kate Bishop. Yeah. I see her face in my head, but I don't remember her name. Lankford. But anyway, um, she ended up up getting like, it was another role, but I was like, okay, well, I guess if they go that way, they go that way. But when she got it, it was just something that I felt like she always had anyway. Yeah. Cause people have been talking about it for so long. (laughs) And she just is, she just is Kate Bishop. I probably read, have read more Kate Bishop comics than I have Hawkeye even. And she Hmm. just, she, like you said, I watched Dickinson. Um, I'm a huge Dickinson fan. This is a plug. So if anybody hasn't watched Dickinson, you need to watch Dickinson. Three seasons out on Apple TV right now. Season finale, series finale. It's over. But you will see. You'll see what I mean. Yeah, you'll see what I mean. She's in in the moments where she needs to be in your face. She's in your face. But there is a subtlety, too, that she brings. Yeah, it could have been so annoying. All that enthusiasm. (laughs) Yeah. They did on so thick, but she didn't. She balanced it so well. She's being smart and compassionate mm-hmm. and and enthusiastic. And, you, and you, the fact she just wants to help people, what really comes through. Yeah, she would be an easy character to sort of like roll your eyes at on the surface, you know. But she, oh, God, I love Kate Bishop. <laughs> yeah, so she was really the star of the show for me. I And I think that her energy and Haley's handling of that character played off of Jeremy Renner's Clint way better than I thought it would. But yeah, I think like Haley slash Kate was that energy that his character and world needed. Yeah. And he was like, he had real dad energy that maybe she needed too. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a yeah. good point. Are you sure you want to do this? We're going to have a few pep talks here. We're going to have a few, I'll tell you a few home truths about what it's like. So moving on from Haley. I think it's kind of a natural next stop to talk about how much we love Florence Pugh, who replaces her role as Yelena Belova, um, who we first met in Black Widow. She's a superstar. She's freaking mm-hmm. amazing. I mean, she is. She comes in, you know, there's just a, what, a 10 minute long scene with her like eating macaroni and cheese. Kit Bishop. <laughs> I love her. She totally chewed up the scenery in the best possible way. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, she's she's been one of those young actors to watch for like a few years now. And I mean, she was like the most pleasant surprise for me in the Black Widow movie by far. Um, and so knowing she was going to come in here and knowing she was going to meet Kate Bishop was like super exciting, I think, for myself and a lot of fans. And it totally delivered. I have some thoughts about how characters were used in this show. But I think the one huge exception to whatever criticisms I have about that is Lawrence's Yelena. She was just dealt with in such a pitch-perfect way. It was just the right amount of everything, and the tone of her character fits so well into the show. I almost can't imagine the show having not had her. 
as like, you know, in the back half of, of the season. So I don't know if they ever thought about not having her, but she certainly made the entire thing so much better just having been there. I think at the end of Black Widow, you kind of would have been expected it anyway, even if we don't find out later that she's hired as a Black Widow assassin. You just you just think that she had, would be after Clint anyway. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, it was one of those, like you said, guest appearances that I'm like, yeah, it's necessary. It's necessary for Clint to have that moment and for Yelena to have that moment to move on. Yeah, to move on. The emotional beats of that mm-hmm. ended up being really well done. Yeah, they both got closure, in a sense. They weren't besties, necessarily, at the end, but... Oh, no. She, yeah. she didn't kill him, so... She didn't kill him. <laughs> she didn't kill him. She was rocking that braid. She's so pretty. Oh, her hair was, like, amazing. <laughs> I, like, literally kept thinking, oh, my gosh, like, her hair looks so good. She looks so good as an assassin, like, as a... Ugh. And you and you got the feeling that she could really, like, mess them all up if she wanted to, like, everybody... So I'm going to say that I found her intro in, was it episode four? Four. To be a little bit nonsensical. <laughs> like, you know, because she kind of just like shows up, fights, and then just leaps off the building. It's a little bit odd to me. But and when you see Kate like run up there with her little bow and arrow, and Yelena's like, girl, so sweet. Don't even try it. Like the amount that she could convey in this like, because there's no audio. It's just literally her looking mm-hmm. at Kate. I was like, that was impressive to me. Bravo to Florence. And I really am excited to see how they use her more in the MCU. I'm kind of like not sure what might be next for her. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The women in this show rock. The women, you know, carried this show. So how about on to our next badass ass-kicking woman? Oh, my Alana God. Cox. Oh, oh. All, all of episode three. She kicked it off, didn't she? That was the episode where, like, mm-hmm. it just clicked in so hard for me. And so much of that was because of her and her performance. And she really, like, held the emotional core of that episode in her hands. And she's never acted before, I think. She was I, working at Amazon. Yes, yes, that's right. So It's just so crazy. Some people got it and some people don't got it. And she got it. She's just, she has it. <laughs> she has it. And, you know, before the series even came out, we had heard those rumors about that. Was it only rumors or was it already announced that they were going to do the Echo show? Actually, I think they already announced it. Clearly, Marvel Studios had a lot of trust and faith in what she was going to be doing in Hawkeye to have already, like, gotten the ball rolling so quickly on a show. I think that says a lot about what she was able to bring to the role. Yeah, I, I do wonder like what happened along the way for them to decide that we're gonna, that okay we're gonna be inspired by the fraction run, but we're gonna go with the big guy and Echo twist. Like that's mm. that's crazy to me that they went that way. To me, Maya always seemed like maybe if not like a natural inclusion, at least like a logical one if they were going to explore Clint's relationship. Yeah. yeah. Deafness and hearing loss. Um, so I was like, oh, I understand that. And then I guess if you want to make then the next leap or two, then if you're going to have Maya. Yeah, you have to. Then you kind of have to like, you don't have to, but you kind of have to have Wilson Fisk. Well, I wonder what would have happened if like, let's just say he didn't want to do it or yeah. they just said we can't like we can't tie into the Netflix shows. We're going to start all over what they would have done. 
But they knew. But they knew because he's been saying the whole time, right? Yeah, yeah, he knew. Yeah, he, yeah, he did. I've always thought. Again, I, I hate to say that there was a silver lining to the pandemic. To the pandemic, but I do think that if it had not been for those delays, I don't think we would have gotten Matt Murdock in No Way Home, and we wouldn't have gotten this in Hawkeye. So I don't know what that show would have been like if that timing hadn't aligned, but I guess I'm glad that the timing did align um, ultimately. And you know what? Maybe this is when we talk about the big guy. We talk about Kingpin and Hawkeye because I think this deserves to be its own like mini discussion. Um, Why don't we start out with what we liked about Kingpin and Hawkeye? He was there. (laughs) <laughs> he was ours. <laughs> oh, this is it. It was so it was such a build up. It was such a build up. You're like from the from episode 3, which is probably everybody's favorite episode anyway aside from the finale. To like is he going to show up in is it going to be 4? Is it going to be a tease in 4? Will we see him in 5? You know, just the hype. I enjoyed being back on the hype train again. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the cufflink. I know, I know a lot of people say, you know, it's not enough. That wasn't just a fashion accessory. That was a huge part of his characterization on Netflix. And then Christina pointed out they used the same music. This is how we knew that the continuity more or less going to be intact. And that to me was like just, that was a victory. Yeah, because we had heard rumors of like what he was going to look like, the uh, kingpin super huge like prosthetics and I don't know if it was like a joke and then it somehow along the line it became like real people kept saying like oh he's gonna be like more like spider-verse kingpin he's gonna be wearing like a ridiculous fat suit and like have cg yeah I was a little scared because I was like well we are in this timeline where anything can happen so I was like a little like oh god please no please no but then when he then when you just see him have the conversation with Kate's mom mm-hmm and he's just like, he's, he's R. Wilson. Like that's, yeah, I love it. Yeah. I think that Vincent clearly came in to pick it up where he left off, you know? And I will say that what was especially reassuring um, was that he, he was able to do a bunch of interviews um, after the finale. She said as much that this Fisk is the Netflix Fisk is the Fisk from the show. So that definitely meant a lot to me to hear him say that to like, in a way, confirm the canon of it all. But I think I was also just torn about the handling of the appearance in general. And I think it was like probably the execution of it that bothered me the most. Um, Like you said, Shelby, we were all on the Kingpin hype train through most of this show. And like the teases were so tantalizing. And it was like, there was no way it wasn't going to be him, right? It just, everything was pointing neon signs, Wilson Fisk, Kingpin is back. And, you know, Clint just kept hinting at what a threat he was. Like, you know, this is not someone you want to mess with. And seemed like legitimately nervous, if not scared, about the prospect of having to deal with him again. Because the implication is that he's dealt with him before. And then when they did the whole, like, end of episode five, it's a grainy shot of security camera footage. I was like, okay, I get it. They're trying to, like, you know make us wait till the very last minute to kind of get us on the hook and you know now we're all ready to go for episode six but there were just some interesting choices made choices with a capital c (laughs) 
what was so funny was at the end of episode five, when I watched it initially, and I put the subtitles on, you guys. I watch it with the subtitles, but I'm waiting for this moment where he's either going to be revealed or not. And like you said, it's this little bitty, like, Kate's like, who's this? And then all I remember hearing is like, Clint mumbled. And all I could hear in my head was he called him the big guy again. Like he called him, that's him. But he didn't. He actually called him Kingpin. And I was like, I missed that. And I didn't catch that till later on, like watching, you know, looking on the internet. And I'm like, no, on my TV, I swear he didn't say that. But he actually like, you know, used the word. He used the word. He called him Kingpin. But no, I know what you're saying, Phyllis, about it was a whole lot of talk Mm -hmm. about why we should be scared. But not really, you know, explaining why we should be scared of, I mean, we know. Right. And it's interesting to approach this as if you're someone who has never encountered Wilson Fisk before. So in that way, kind of the character setups for Wilson Fisk in both this show and the original Daredevil series are somewhat similar in that, like, Mm -hmm. here's a big scary guy and we can't say his name and we can't show you his face and we can't tell you anymore else about him but clearly everyone respects him and is scared shitless of him and it builds a sense of like mystery and foreboding and on the daredevil series it pays off beautifully this is a man that you should be scared of this is a man that should make you want to shit your pants the wilson fist kingpin on hawkeye on the other hand not quite right and i think there were various reasons for that i think that obviously there was that very divisive choice <laughs> to put him in the red Hawaiian outfit, which was supposed to be a like a comic book cover Easter egg call out. Easter egg, yeah. But, you know, many people did not know this. They just thought that's weird that Wilson Fisk is <laughs> making such a very specific um, fashion choice <laughs> in the post blip era. Also, the way that they utilized him. When they reintroduce Yelena in the television series, with a very short amount of time that they were given. Yeah, yeah. even if you had never watched um, Black Widow, even if you watched Black Widow, mm -hmm. you could get it. They establish who her character is, what she does, and they reestablished her in the five years later. Now, if I'm someone who doesn't know anything about Wilson Fisk and I'm seeing this guy out here for the first time, and I guess you've told me that he's very fond of Maya. And you've told me that he's the kingpin of New York City. But then you show me that he's kind of just this goofy looking guy in an office that promptly at the end of the episode, spoiler, gets shot. I don't know. It's just like, I wish that they would have just spent the time rather than maybe throwing him into like a boss fight with Kate because we get it. Kate is the lead. Kate needs a win. But it was such a strange choice to see. Yeah, he beats up Kate, but Kate should not be getting up multiple times after Kingpin is like tossing her across the room. And yes, Kate is clever, but like I felt like Kate got the win at the expense of Wilson Bisk's characterization. What really kills me is like they had such a short amount of time to do anything with him. I almost would have rather they either just cut the surprise at that appearance and we wait for a different show a different movie whatever to dig into who he is now or i would have rather that this not have crossed paths at all with kate i understand that kate had a vested interest in finding fisk because of her mom but that whole thing just just felt superfluous at the end there i'd rather they have worked on the emotional core between fisk and maya instead yeah if we could have just seen maybe five or 
10 more minutes with him and Maya at some him point. And Maya, or, you know, flashing back to how their relationship progressed. And where were they during the blip? Five years for anyone, whether you were gone or you were there, you can find a lot of emotional resonance in that, right? As we've seen, every time they do reference those five years and they reference the blip in the MCU shows, it's always been one of my favorite details because I'm like, I want to know how people felt and how they Mm -hmm. reacted. And like, this could have been a prime way to set up just a more believable foundation for their relationship so that by the end, with that confrontation, that I would have felt more payoff. Because that also felt a little bit like, obviously, that was pulled from the comics as well. But it didn't quite feel earned to me. Our first exposure to this relationship with her already confronting him and shooting him. I don't know. I I haven't read those comics in a while either. I've said a lot. So I'm going to stop now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I but no, I agree with you because episode three it it starts so strong with those uh like straight out of the comic David Mack, you know parts from what's it parts of a hole parts of a is? hole yeah I think so yeah. yeah like you know you're like <gasps> and you really do think that they will eventually you will get more mm-hmm. of that and you will feel more instead of it just being like oh. It's him. He he did all this. She confronts him. She shoots him. That's it. You know? It was just rushed. It was like too rushed. Like I think that I think if that's gonna be part of the foundation of the Echo Show, then again, yeah, I would have oh, I'm gonna hope. I'm gonna be dumb hopeful and hope they dig in. But like I said, I, I almost would have just wished that they hadn't that they just hadn't tried to squeeze it in, you know? No, I, I because we I, we're on the same page with this. I, I I there's a lot of they try to do a lot in these six episodes. And, you know, there's a lot of story. You've got the issue with Kate and her mom. You've got Jack. Is he evil? Is he not evil? Yes. <laughs> and I love him. I love him so much. <laughs> so I guess, you know, to me, perhaps the ending of Hawkeye suffered a little bit when it was played against um, Spider-Man coming out or roughly the same time, because I felt that was something that was a movie that had to handle a lot of different characters, a lot of stories. And also call back to like past stories and do it all in a really like thoughtful, balanced way. In two, in what, two and a half hours? <laughs> and it was a little unfortunate to see that Hawkeye, even though they were given six hours, and that's not to say that this is easy to do. So no. I don't I don't think it would have been easy. It definitely wasn't easy for the Spider-Man folks to do. And it certainly couldn't have been easy for the Hawkeye creative team to try to do. But it definitely did feel like it fell short in that regard. It felt like um, this is my quibble, my kind of ongoing issue with um, the Disney Plus shows in general is this pacing thing, this like pacing and storytelling thing where they always feel like they're just so committed to telling a two hour story that would have been perfect for a movie. And they try to stretch it out to fill six hours and they just can't quite figure out how to do it. (laughs) And I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if it's because Marvel Studios is obviously producing way more content in this year, the upcoming years than they've ever had to. Previous years, it was like, hey, every year we might get two or three movies. Now we're trying to crank in like at least three movies, maybe four movies, maybe four TV shows. It's a lot. So I can't tell if it's like they're micromanaging TV because it's maybe a little bit too new and they already have everything really set on the movie side. Or I don't know, just every time I watch a show from Marvel Studios and Disney Plus, it feels like 
I can see where the Marvel executives were in the writer's room saying like, hey, you have to do this. Yeah, hit this, hit this point. Yeah. Hit this point, hit that point. Make sure we've gone back to point A. And for me, TV is like a fun medium to be able to tell different stories and use different approaches that you wouldn't usually be able to do in a movie. And so I just don't feel like the Marvel Studios folks working on the TV side have had like the ability to creatively stretch their legs yet. And I was going to say my friend brought up a good point um, because she's been sort of she didn't finish Loki. She's been sort of halfway in disappointed with Falcon and Winter Soldier. We'll probably agree that after Hawkeye, WandaVision is the, the best they've done. But she said they're trying to introduce all these characters. And like right now, we don't know if there'll be a Hawkeye season two. Yeah. So, you know, they introduce you to these people and you don't like in regular TV, you kind of know immediately if you're going to get to sit with these characters or not. And it just feels like, oh, OK, I guess. And they try to do too much with too many people. And you're like, what's the point? Right. They do too much with too many people, but they don't they don't do enough with any of those people. Yeah. Even in, even at the end of episode six, in this big moment where Kate's mom yeah. gets arrested and Kate has Kate's the one that has done all this, you don't really feel anything. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, bye, Eleanor, I guess. <laughs> right. And maybe it's the way they choose to prioritize which stories they tell. I'm just gonna I'm only gonna complain about this once on this episode and then I'm gonna let it lie. But my God, I cannot <laughs> believe we revisited the LARPers. Not oh. just one time, but like five times. <laughs> when I think about like which 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 characters would I have wanted to sit with longer and get to know better and have them be more woven into the fabric of the story. No offense. To the LARPers, but they were not anywhere close to the top of my list. They were a fun, colorful little detail of the world that Clinton Cape found themselves in. That is fine. But to make them like an integral part of the story. And Leslie, I know that you schooled me a little bit on grills, you know, and he did have a integral part in the comics. And maybe you can go on about that. Somebody else, somebody else did too, Leslie. Somebody else did too. Bombshell. Oh, Bombshell. Yeah. Don't ask me about her though. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, just, I had just read that. I was like, okay, I missed that. But I would have been happy never to see any of the other LARPers again. I loved that. I love that the scene where he has to like work his way to get to grills and the Ronin suit. Uh, um, once was enough. I, I, was, I was glad to see Grills again. I was glad to see them eating breakfast in episode five, whatever that was. Uh, um, no, no. I mean, that might be my only complaint. So I was like, oh, you all are just a bit too silly. That's a little goofy. It's a very light show. So like Goofy's not bad, but it was, it was like too much when there was so many other things for them to be doing with their time. <laughs> or even just, I mean, I did feel like after episode three, they were really light on Maya. For like kind of the remainder of the show. I mean, we don't, you know, back, you know, we were talking about her and um, her relationship with her uncle. We really don't get to even like dive into her and Kazi and like that whole thing. And then please don't let him be dead. Please don't let him be. I know she gutted him, but please don't let him be dead. So that I was Kazi. Origin story. Yeah. He'll be back. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I mean, I still loved it. I still loved it. It's, it's just frustrating. The love is it's frustrating. Love. I like that description. 
I was kind of wondering if this was going to be like sort of an evolution of Clint because I have a bunch of jumbled thoughts about that. So like, so initially MCU Hawkeye was based on Ultimate Hawkeye, who's like a killing machine. But then in Earth 616, Clint, he's like famous for saying Avengers don't kill. And we both know that Clint and Natasha sort of like this bond because, well, he, you know, she was a shot he didn't take and they both had all this red in their ledger they needed to atone for and he said to Kazi in the in the backseat of that car that he doesn't want anyone else to die so just like a new and improved i don't kill anymore and i don't know i don't know where they go from here with clint i i I don't know or with with laura and the watch and is she mockingbird is she not mockingbird Okay, so that's a great little talking point. So, like, where where do they go with Clint from here? Maybe the Mockingbird of it all. Jeremy Renner, West Coast Avengers in the press junkets, at least one or two times. Maybe he knows something. I don't know. It's interesting because I kind of thought that this would be, like, a natural, like, handing off the baton and letting his Hawkeye, perhaps, like, officially or unofficially go off into the sunset. You know, <laughs> this is this is where we're going to gripe about the, the post credit scene of I can do this all day. Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm sorry. There's another thing. <laughs> another <laughs> thing that I'm going to complain about just once. Okay. And I'm going to let it go. No matter whether I like them or didn't like them. All the other shows at least have felt like they've included. Actually, did Falcon include us post credits? I can't remember now. I don't. That's been. yeah. Most that of the is- other. I felt like they've included some kind of meaningful post credit scene. When I watched Hawkeye and I sat through those credits, I thought, surely, surely there'll be something here to set up the Echo Show or follow up on Fisk or something. And then when I saw the Happy Holidays from Marvel Studios open up into the beginning of the Rogers musical number. I've got to say, I've never felt so mad in my life. <laughs> I was still dumb through the whole thing. I'm dumb through the whole thing going, they're going to show somebody in the audience, right? Like <laughs> through the whole thing, like a dummy thinking, well, surely they're going to have a second post credits. <laughs> That's actually something useful. Or like you said, show someone's face, show That's something. Just, there's like Yelena's going to be in the audience, right? Watching this, right? <laughs> That could have made it, like, worth it, because she would have been like, what the F? (laughs) But no, it was just a whole goddamn musical number that wasn't even very good to begin with, which is probably the point. But I wasn't even mad about Kingpin in the finale. I was mad about that post-credits musical sequence, actually. I was mad, too, because I kept watching it, and I was like, okay, this will stop, and they'll go into something that means something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure didn't stop, you guys. Just kept going. I was like, I did say, I did turn to my sister and say, "Well, this is catchier than Agatha all along." I will give that. Which concerns me that they think that every show needs like an original song hook. <laughs> no, actually, it doesn't. I thought when they showed, you know, she was trying to, she's like Lady Hawk, and she was trying to come up with a new name, and they flashed to the logo. It immediately made me think of Kellyanne Thompson's Hawkeye logo, and I thought we're fixing, we're gonna get a flash forward of Kate in California. She's opening up Hawkeye investigations, and that's where we're gonna go from here on the West Coast with her. Nothing. Why? 
Why? <laughs> Nothing. Yes, they felt because they'd worked so hard on it. And they had the guy from Rent. Maybe they thought we're going to pay respects. But that could have been a great leg for the YouTube channel. Or just a real just a happy holidays on their yeah. on social media. Not taking up like prime post credit real estate. Like five minutes. Five F like, minutes. Oh. Because we we all thought, come on, we all thought there was something that was gonna lead into the Echo Show because not everybody hangs on every Marvel yeah. Disney word and knows there's gonna be an Echo Show. Isn't that what you wanna do? Is set up your next thing? Uh a lot of people, to me online, were very unfamiliar with her character. Under Understandable. Yeah. yeah. Would have been a great moment, a great setup. Or, or like, to tell us there's going to be a season two. There's, so far, there's only been one show renewed, and that's Loki. Loki. Anyway. Anyway. Well, where were we? <laughs> still talking about what we, we... We still love it. <laughs> did you guys like the tracksuits? I did. I love the tracksuits. It made me laugh so much. But if you but if you haven't read that run, I don't know that you do. Yeah, it, that that's true. They're just they're just yeah. I think they were they were borderline for me. Perhaps for that reason. Perhaps because I don't consider myself like a a huge fan of the run, only because I hadn't I haven't finished, finished it. it. Yeah. Um, and so I understood the reference, and I understood that it worked somewhat with the tone. But I think like six episodes worth of the tracksuits were a little bit much. They're really only the they're really only the main they're like the main villain of the show because there really was no really focal point. I was like up to episode five, I'm still going, who's what are we really doing here? Right. Right. And then they just showed up they just showed up every episode to like so to fill you in know, the gaps stuff up. Yeah. Provide. <laughs> like I wasn't expecting I wasn't expecting Clint's final showdown to be with the tracksuits, that's for sure. Yeah. I was like, oh, I guess we've fully committed to them being the primary antagonists of the show, except ultimately, they're just really not that threatening. I appreciated their energy. I, I liked them when they were being henchmen-y. I liked the henchmen energy, but it kind of consistently baffled me when they were sort of like foregrounded as like, oh, this is the... This is who Clint's gonna fight. Like it was like but a little But it did weird. set up all the cute like little comic moments yeah. with the with the pizza, the frozen pizza on her head, and the back, you know, getting the bag of frozen peas out the out the fridge to put on all his wounds, and the arrows, the trick arrows, and the car, you know, things like that. Yay, tracksuit bros! Everyone talks about the pim arrow, but I loved the USB arrow. It hit the guy in the chest. It bounced off. Oh, God, I just. My husband was just like, how many pin arrows does he have? Yeah, like he just make him, them, these he can make arrows. them from scratch. He can just I make know. them from scratch. <laughs> he, opened, he opened the case and there was like more, right? And that was and... My goodness. Like, should we be letting him just gallivanting around with this kind of technology? <laughs> don't let his wife hold it. She lost her watch. So oh don't my let gosh. Him. So what do you so what did you guys think about the reveal that she is at least a previous agent of Shield? And Mockingbird, right? Is it in it wasn't it like well, Agent 19 I it said Agent 19. I'm not well I'm not well. Me versed neither and on, I didn't read the, the articles and stuff on it. I didn't like I mean I, I it's supposed to imply Mockingbird, but it's like then you get into the sticky conversation of like Agents of Shield, Mockingbird, and yeah, that doesn't bother me because I feel like there could be five Mockingbirds down the line, like so. 007, 
right? Yeah, that doesn't bother me. They and then somebody even said she could be a sister. Uh, the agents of Shield, the Bobby that we know, could be the sister to Lar or something like that. But yeah, so so on Shield, I I believe if the articles are correct, I again I I just don't have that knowledge. Um, she's never referred to as Agent Nineteen, but she is referred to at least by her call side Mockingbird, right? Whereas on Hawkeye, specifically the watch is Agent 19. Like once they had her speaking, what? What was she speaking? What language was she speaking? Like in episode three or whatever? I think it was supposed to be something, but it was something else. <laughs> <laughs> it was German, but not, it wasn't spoken well. I would never know, but yeah. Once you have someone randomly speaking a foreign language out yeah. of nowhere, it's very much like spy trope. It was clear where they were going with it. I guess it's sort of, I mean, Linda Cardinelli, is that her last name, Cardinelli? Yeah, something like that. Yes. So yeah. it always struck me as a little odd that they cast someone of her name recognition and face recognition to just be Clint's wife. Um, so I don't know if they, like, promised her that she gets to come back and do agent things. But yeah, I, th- I think the watch reveal was a little weird to me, too. <laughs> Because it was it seemed like such a big deal that they had stolen this watch. And but then by the end, Clint's just like, hey, babe, keep better track of your stuff. And I'm just like, what? what? (laughs) Let's be for real. It looked like a watch that they get like an employee picnic, like for however many years of service. That's what it looked like to me. I don't know what the watch does because I was like, I would have rather had been a bomb. (laughs) (laughs) He says he traced back to her. And, like, reveal her identity and everything. I don't know how. Right. Well, I guess it did have her, I mean, it had the shield logo emblazoned on the back. Why why did everybody, why did they want it? It, Was it supposed to be a dig to go after Clint? Like, why? I just, we don't know. And Clint wouldn't have even known it was missing had he not seen Kate running around in the Ronin, like, outfit. Like, like it would have he would have just went back home for Christmas. Like, what else do they have from the Fender's hometown? Right. Like, yeah, that's that's an interesting question. <laughs> this was not the first, like, weird secret auction, you know, so. Well, I thought it was going to be like in the comic where it's this secret video that they're raffling off where it's Clint, where he's killed yeah, somebody. That, yeah, right. And wasn't that what a, a videotape of that or something? Back to, I think. Yeah. Or, yeah. It was like that decoy video or something after the and assassination. Then he, then he lights the Ronin suit on fire. My sister just goes, That suit would not burn like that. It would take more than lighter fluid to burn. <laughs> well, it didn't burn in Kate's apartment. True. Right? True. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted it to set up more, but maybe we're getting more. I'm going to be hopeful. I'm going to be dumb hopeful. We're going to get more. Well, do, we want, do we want Kate and Wes, you know, and uh, Young Avengers? We want her out west doing her own thing with her own agency. If I'm being selfish, I want West Coast Avengers, but that's just me being, mm. you know, selfish. Where you have Hawkeye and Mockingbird and uh, Scarlet Witch and Vision and Wonder Man. It's, yeah, that's that's well, who I, I mean, want. I, I gotta say though, in this age of Marvel Studios, I don't see why you can't get both. Honestly, I, I haven't read a lot of Young Avengers, but if it gives me more Kate Bishop, then let's let's do it because mm-hmm. we're gonna have we know we're gonna have Kate and the twins eventually, and um, uh, America and Miss Marvel, and let's I mean you know let's do it. 
That's a good segue, because I know we wanted to talk about maybe like our hopes and predictions for the next phase of Marvel Studios TV. I I see everything that's come out in 2021 to be kind of like the first phase. This was what we already knew coming in. We're going to get WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, Loki, Hawkeye, and What If. But this sort of next stage that will start launching in 2022, these are mostly new characters. It's going to be the real test. This is the real test. Right. These are. This was just like supplemental. Like, here's all the character development you missed in the 10 years of our movies. And here's some like groundwork laid for future stuff. But yeah. Yeah. The real test is going to be here's some people you've never heard of before. Mm-hmm. And um, are we going to tell do like real storytelling now? Right. Right. Yeah, and I don't know. They can't get away with like just half-assing it with like Moon Knight. So, good luck. Do you guys think they'll be the first one coming out? No, I think it's she. I'm thinking She Hulk will be next. She Hulk. Yeah. That's what. The only I, thing know is Doctor Strange in May. I don't know anything between now and May. Right. It's interesting because yeah, they haven't they haven't announced anything specific with TV dates. I mean, we we know for sure that Moon Knight, She Hulk, and Miss Marvel will come out in 2022. Um, and like Miss Marvel will be later, which is interesting because Miss Marvel should be next, yeah. wrapped before those other two shows, so they should be next. But I, the rumors say that they've kind of had to retool some stuff. But yeah, I'm. I think this is where my optimism holds on, and I might be shocking to hear that I still have some <laughs> some optimism and hope. But that's what we are here at Team Save Daredevil. We are dumb all- hopeful. That's <laughs> all. That's all we can be. <laughs> It's going to be the real test. And I, I, I'm hopeful, you know, I'll say that pre-COVID, pre-pandemic, pre all these delays that they've had to deal with the past couple of years, you know, I would have said that when I thought about Marvel Studios and I, and I thought about Feige, I would have thought nothing deviates this man from his plan. Everything has to happen exactly then the we, way. Then we happened. <laughs> <laughs> Everything has to happen exactly the way that he has planned it out. And I think if anything has been taken away from just everything that we've collectively been through um, in the past two years is that you got to learn to be hella flexible. (laughs) Yeah. It's on that note that I hope they obviously had a lot of pieces for these initial shows in the can already. But I'm hopeful for that next stage of shows, you know, that they might have learned some lessons from the first batch that they're more willing to um, change things around when they need to. They're willing to make pivots when they need to. Again, we, we touched on this earlier. I don't think Matt Murdock and Wilson Fisk show up when they did and where they did if we had not had this delay. And I don't know if they were ever part of Feige's plan before, but hey, guess what? Sure as hell are now. So I'm going to like hang on to that energy. I'm going to hope that Marvel Studios is willing to kind of evaluate the work that they're doing and see what's working and see what isn't working and make better shows. Like all I really want as a fan of TV is just entertaining, good television. And I think that they've hit the mark in some regards and they've really missed in others. But I know that Marvel Studios is capable of telling really great stories. And I I just want to, I'm hoping for that next batch of shows to really start equalizing what I'm expecting and then what I'm seeing on screen, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, same. And I just want to see commitment from them to these characters. Like, we're going to be introduced to She-Hulk and Moon Knight, and I want to know where they're going to be next. 
I want to know that I'm going to see more Moon Knight, whether it be hopefully in more seasons of TV. That's what I hope. This is their goal in the future is to really, you know, have multiple uh, series. We're down to one Bob now. Bob Chappie. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what happens with Bob? Oh, yes. Because Bob Iger. It was pointed out to us that Bob Chaffick is the one who wants to branch out into darker material. Yeah. Mature mature shows. Yes. We'll we'll see. We'll see. So, I don't. Well, let's. Okay. Let's rank them, you guys. Let's rank the shows. Yeah. I was just going to say. Let's just put our, like. Okay. So, mine is Hawkeye, WandaVision. And if we're going to include What If, What If, Falcon and Loki. That's my rank so far. Oh, Loki's pretty low on my list. And I don't even think I, I can't even fairly include what if because I didn't even finish that. So I've got Hawkeye, Falcon and Winter Soldier, um, WandaVision and Loki. And and none of that like is for me, that's not necessarily a reflection on like my assessment of the quality. It's just how much you made me care about the characters. Right. And, yeah, and the rewatchability. Like you would cue it up again, yeah. like episode three. People have watched episode three like multiple times. So, yeah, exactly. Episode three of Hawkeye is going down as like one of my all time favorite episodes of television ever. There, see, exactly. I love it. Yeah. So yeah. That, that is a gift to me. I mean, I can forgive so much just because of that. I'm, I'm easy like that. So, yeah, I, I, I love it. Uh, individual rankings. I did watch all five shows. Um, I'm going to say WandaVision, Hawkeye, What If. It's tough for me <laughs> between <laughs> Falcon and Loki. Well, it's just the, the Bucky edge. The Bucky edge like bumps I know. it yeah, <laughs> yeah, So for anyone who doesn't know, Almost universally amongst the same charitable team, Bucky is very loved. <laughs> so fine. I will. But I just did not. I did not like the show. Like. No, I understand. At, I understand. At, at at Zemo. Does that, does that pip it for you? Is that. Zemo? Oh, I mean, yeah, I guess. I guess Zemo was okay. He was he was fun. He, right. he, was, he fun. was fine. But see, it's like for everything that was fun or fine, then you got like stuff like and smashers. Everything else, like yes, God, the I, I was like, what? What did they call themselves again? Flag smashers. We got what's his name? My husband. What is his oh, name? John Walker. John yeah, Walker. Him. John Walker. He's okay. part of West Coast of West Coast too. He's supposed okay. to. He's part of West Coast Avengers. Okay, how about this? Okay, so Zemo. Yeah, he could be a Thunderbolt, too. Yeah. So my rankings are WandaVision, Hawkeye, What If, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, because even though I did not care for the show, (laughs) I will give them a slight edge because they did do certain things with certain characters that I liked. And then Loki will be at the end. Loki, I actually feel like I personally did not um, have as much of a strong emotional dislike of how they handled it but it just wasn't a good show to me well i'm, I'm just gonna get, uh, right now loki's at the bottom and i hope that season two is kind of like a continuation of part one like this will finish that story and maybe it'll mm. bump it up maybe it'll, maybe move it'll up. bump it yeah i do remember what my point was going back to writers and tv and hope for the future um i do hope they include more disabled like deaf writers mm-hmm. um i mm-hmm. hope they handle the moon night stuff well with a with a writer's room that's capable of handling multiple personality disassociative personality disorder that that's what i hope i just hope we have a more inclusive like writer's room 
to where we get better stories. I have got, um, what's her name? Shoshana Stern. Mm-hmm. She's deaf. She's in the writer's room for Echo. Oh, that's great and, to know. Yeah. She's and they can be in there. Listen, and they can be in the writer's room for all these shows. They don't right. have to be just in right. the writer's room for these shows. Yeah. Like, you know, that's where. But dumb hopeful. She'll be still dumb hopeful. Well, I, I do think that the times have, have changed um, in the right direction in that regard. Like, is there still a lot of work to be done? Yes. But I do think it, sometimes it feels like, you know, two steps forward, one step back. But um, there there does seem to be more of an awareness and a desire to match up what you're seeing on screen with who's handling it behind the screen. And so I will be with you there on the dumb hopefulness, Shelby. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So how about before we end this, obviously now that Daredevil and Kingpin have been officially reintroduced in the MCU. What? Why don't we just end this by talking a little bit about what we're kind of hoping to see with these guys when they hopefully return. You know, th- this might start getting into rumor territory, but when we think about Matt Murdock slash Daredevil, I think the next rumored appearance is She-Hulk. although. He also appears to be rumored for just about Every like everything show. coming out on Disney Plus. So I'm kind of curious what you guys think about that. Like what and and how are you hoping it'll be handled? How do you think it'll be handled? Um, I don't know. My brain is still processing Spider-Man: No Way Home, and those rumors started a year ago, and it's here and it's happened, and I'm still processing that. And and seeing the list of scenes this week that were deleted, how he could have had even mm. more oh my God. time in the movie, mm-hmm. which could have get, maybe gave me a little bit more handle on how maybe the future is right. going to go. I think I'm just going to have to wait and see what happens in She-Hulk. Yeah. I just I just want more. That's my more. More is more. Mm-hmm. How about you, Leslie? Yeah. Um, I'm concerned. I'm wanting to see Foggy. I'm wanting to see Karen. That's my main concern. I want to see Ellison and those other ancillary characters. Because that's ultimately what the campaign is about. Charlie, obviously, is top of the pyramid there. But Save Daredevil is a show. So a solo project. You know, just going back to our mission statement, bringing back as many of the creatives as possible. And uh, it seems like that's probably going to take a while to get there with all of these like little cameos and guest appearances. But, you know, we're patient. I think we've proven that. More patient at times than others, but we have been patient. <laughs> so we're still here. We're still here. Still here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, as, as much as I would have loved to have gotten all those additional scenes in No Way Home because I'm greedy right. and I'm selfish <laughs> and I, I want it all. In a way, what they gave us, albeit short, was kind of just the perfect little appetizer pre appetizer there's a reason why the, the deleted scenes are deleted scenes right there, there's you know it's already a really long movie <laughs> right and and so part of me wishes i had more data to process what will he look like in a she-hulk appearance or what could he look like in a moon knight you know i don't have that data so for now i can kind of just be happy with, with what i saw in no way home being something that felt like my mat Oh, he looked like our Matt. Oh, he looked like our Matt. He looks, I mean, we're sounded. approaching onto the No Way Home review folks territory a little bit, but he we're going to do a little bit. like our Matt. Mm. He smirked like our Matt. <laughs> <laughs> 
And so that that's kind of how you do it if you want to get people to sort of maintain that excitement. You know, obviously that if if he does appear in She-Hulk, and I think it, it's reasonable to assume that's kind of the next logical appearance for him. It'll it'll be interesting only because She-Hulk is, as we as we know, is a comedy. So it's going to assume that he'll be presented in a way that we might not have seen him presented before. Mm-hmm. Um, so that will be interesting. I, I think for me, just thinking about these future appearances, it's, it's all going to be data points. So that's good. No matter whether we like the appearance or not, it's going to be data. It's going to be um, informative. I also think that as long as these are just merely appearances in other people's projects and not necessarily reflective of what he will be like in his own solo project, which is hopefully going to happen um, soon, because like you said, Leslie, that is kind of the primary goal Mm -hmm. of this campaign. I don't mind if they play a little bit in the sandbox with him because Matt Murdock has different sides and can potentially adapt to some different tones. Yeah, you know? and by the time we get here, it'll be like seven years-ish, <laughs> probably. So, you know, lots happened. <laughs> so so I don't I don't entirely mind if they play, but I do I do want them to continue to keep that heart and soul of who Matt is. He's finally going to have that fly ass apartment where he has the gym mm. underneath. <laughs> <laughs> as long as they keep, if as long as they hold on to that, that core and we don't lose that heart, um, I, I'm okay seeing him do some different things elsewhere. Once we get back to his, his show, his movie, whatever that ends up being, whatever that solo project ends up being, I just want it to really be his, you know, mm. I want it to feel like, I think Christine used the term spiritual successor to the original Marvel Netflix shows. That is where it really matters to me. It matters a little bit less in these little short appearances, but. This is maybe how we should take Kingpin's appearance in Hawkeye. Like, like you say, holiday hijinks. Don't, don't panic, basically. So I do want to acknowledge that there are a lot of fans who are, who are understandably anxious after the Kingpin appearance. <laughs> Because it was so much more than what we got of Matt and No Way Home, right? And so I want to acknowledge, I think you can watch these shows and just enjoy them for what they are. And you can be anxious for what that might mean for our specific characters coming back into this particular universe. And you can be more of one or more of the other or be both. And and that's totally fine. You know, I think that that's... um, I think we're emotionally attached to Matt and Fisk and Karen and Foggy and, you know, for a good reason. And I think a lot of people are discovering the show now after No Way Home's come out and Hawkeye's come out and people are getting why, <laughs> why this campaign totally started in the first it. place. Totally. So I, I think the reminders for not just like fans who are like discovering these characters and understanding, oh, this is where they come from and this is why people love them so much. I, I hope that it also is a reminder to the powers that be as people revisit the quote unquote source material, at least in live action TV. Like, oh, there's a reason why this stuff worked and there's a reason why people love it. And yeah, maybe we we need to adapt it a little bit to fit the MCU, but there's no reason to to move too far away. 
right, from what, what people love. And there is a reason. And I, I truly believe there's a reason why they decided to bring our actors back. We, we, and we all go through that, even as a campaign. And yeah. indiv- we're mm-hmm. all individuals. And we go through little like, oh, my God, this is scary. Oh, my God, what if they do this? We all have to be talked down and say, calm yeah. down. Also, the existential crisis. Yeah. 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 It's going to be fine. Yeah. We're fans, There's- too. At the heart of it, we're fans, just like everybody else. We're in the same boat. But yeah, I, I just wanted to mention that because I, I think we've all seen that online, kind of that anxiety. Um, and I think it's natural and I think it's okay to feel that way. I kind of think they heard that. At least Vincent has heard oh, that. Yeah. It, it did feel like Vincent was responding in, yes. in a way That's to what he was thing. getting tagged in. Yeah. Dream yeah. last night that I was having a conversation with Vincent and he was in the get up. He was in the Hawaiian shirt. Oh. Like he was like he was wow. going to work. And I was like, <laughs> what are we doing here? And I was getting him to sign all these things. I was like, this is for our charity auction. And it was just so nice. <laughs> I love so it. <laughs> maybe in 2022, we get to have a conversation with Vincent to talk, talk Daredevil. I'm going to just speak it out there. Why not? Speaking, well, we're speaking it out into the universe. We're speaking it into existence. I love it. That's, um, what, that's right. That's right. And, so, you know, guys, talk about it and maybe they'll hear. And, yeah, you know, and people just like know that our work is not yet finished. I'm going to quote Father Lantern. Our work is not yet finished. So I feel like I've kept you guys on in this conversation for long enough. Um, but I, I think, think we've going. We've, <laughs> we've covered a lot of ground. Um, I, th- I thank you both for joining me today. <laughs> talking Hawkeye. You know, and it's fun breaking down something that isn't totally Daredevil specific. We get to do that kind of behind the scenes when we like watch TV and movies, but it's it's fun to be able to do that on this podcast too. Yes. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you everybody um, who's listening. Thank you for joining us on one of our first pods back in 2022. We hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation about Hawkeye. As always, if you haven't already, you can follow us online on social media. We are at Renew Daredevil on Twitter and at Save Daredevil pretty much everywhere else. We'd love to hear your thoughts. So when we post about this podcast online, whether it's on Twitter or Instagram or um, on YouTube, feel free to leave us some comments, leave us your thoughts, leave us your review of the Hawkeye show and what you're looking forward to um, in 2022 with the new series. And, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, some more appearances from our beloved cast. Um, In the meantime, uh, this is it for us. We'll catch you on the next pod. Thank you and see you later. Thank you for listening to Talk Daredevil, the official podcast of the Save Daredevil campaign. For more information on Save Daredevil, please visit our website at savedaredevil.com. Remember, Murdoch's always get back up.